0: Um, thanks for coming. And uh, you know, our intention is for this is to be very much like a oh this is just a group of brothers. Go ahead, Ryan. We do we do everything together. I feel like why are why are these two guys presenting together? Because we've done everything together in our yeah. whole lives. Yes, Ryan's the older brother, in case you I'm the more mature one, yeah. Welcome. So um, the, the real intention and our hope here, and, and my my hope for why you chose to come to the session, was that um, we want to show you some stuff, but we really want to spend a lot of our time together like sharing and talking with each other, brainstorming. And, um, so there will be awkward silence involved. That's OK. Unless you are speaking up. Um, but since we have a small crowd, maybe it's worth us just kind of going around and just kind of saying what our name is, maybe where we teach, and what grade level or subject we teach. That's all right? I'll
1: start. My name is Ryan. I'm from South Christian High School. I teach in the English department, primarily
0: grades, 11 and 12. Well, I got to go. <laughs> sure. So my name is Andrew bannon I am, uh, I, I do not currently teach any, well, I'm like, I have a weird How do you joke. say that? <laughs> I'm a former high school math and science teacher, I guess I would say, and I teach uh, College astronomy online. So, yeah, but I've had a lot of fun getting involved at my kids' uh, school, it was uh, Grand David Christian, but we're currently homeschool parents. So. Yeah. Amen. Yes? I'm Grace Ruhl, I'm a fourth grade teacher at Southwest Pho Christian in
2: Tiffany Park. Uh, my name's Callie Van and
3: I teach third grade at Highland Christian. Nice. My, my name is Andrew. And I teach at Highland Christian. First grade. Yes. My name is Kirsten Schirberg, yes. and I teach second grade at Highland Christian. <laughs> I'm Hannah Kachatori <laughs> and I teach kindergarten in Spanish at Highland <laughs> Christian. Nice. I'm Gary Templeman, and I teach first
2: grade at Lansing Christian, Illinois.
1: Um, I'm
2: Brooke
3: Minor. I teach first and seventh grade combined in Randolph, South. Wonderful. Wonderful. I'm Marie could have learned this weekend this week. I teach kindergarten at Dillon
4: Christian School in wow. Wisconsin. Awesome. Uh, I'm Brad uh, I'm the high school STEM director at
5: Ileana Christian. So it is nice.
0: Wonderful. Yeah. Hi, thank you. I'm, thank you. I'm you? Jan Jastuckey and I teach fourth grade at Orkill Christian, but I live right around the corner from South. Oh, nice! Okay. Thank you for sharing us this. It's wonderful. We um so since Ryan and I are both coming at things from a more of a high school perspective, and obviously most of you are in like elementary setting, I just want to apologize. So, <laughs> but also, I think that'll fit well because like our hope in what we show is really just to kind of like spark a conversation about what authentic learning in the classroom um, can look like. And but the, the hope is that that conversation is what really feeds, and, and we probably won't have tremendous insight for you guys, but I assume you guys will have a lot of insight. I know you will um, for each other. So, so our hope is for the first maybe 20 minutes to just to share some examples and talk a little bit about like what do we mean when we talk about authentic learning, and then uh, turn that over to a conversation. Absolutely. So the first, oh yeah, go ahead. Here. So I think to start off our conversation
1: is what to hear from you. And to help think about it, I think it was a good idea to first talk in partners, kind of test your ideas, hear what each other think, and then we can have a, a group discussion. So if we can take a few moments uh, to turn to an elbow partner, someone nearby, and <coughs> say, "What is, what, what does authentic learning mean to you?" So let's take a few moments to do that, and then afterwards, we'll, we'll share some insights with uh, the whole group. Hi. hi. <laughs> okay. um,
5: Yeah. 30 I you are I don't care. Yeah, always to do like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Rich, rich. yeah yeah a few
1: more moments When it comes to conversations like this, I experience FOMO. Oh, oh, I'm a that, yeah. <laughs> And I, I do. I miss out a lot. So, talk to me. Talk to us. What is it, uh, what does uh, authentic learning mean to you? I feel free to shout out. Our group kind of talked about how, like a lot of kids, see a
3: test as memorizing the facts, shoot yes. it out, I'm done. Yes. Whereas we
2: want them to take like ownership and see yes. the value of seeking out that information
3: yes. rather than just learn it and be
1: done. Absolutely. Right. Excellent.
4: Excellent. Thank you for sharing that. Others?
3: Yeah, yeah back on that, we talked a
4: little bit about learning That sticks Remembering learning. Right? Yeah. So uh, not just for the testing. but uh, for remembering me. <clears throat> yeah, please. I
3: share that we did a... You know, our nutrition and healthy eating and then we have a cup party. Yeah. And then we like evaluate like if we all bring cupcakes, is that nutritious? Yeah. Like it's what so can we vicious, bring though. that yeah you know what how can we balance our our party foods? Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Thank
1: you. Thank so, you. Others? Welcome by the way.
0: Glad that you're here. Well, let's let chat here. Uh, yeah. So I, I think so much of authentic learning uh, can mean different things, right? Depending on like your context, what grade level you teach, what content area you teach, um, and so like to, to come up with a definition that maybe fits all situations is like super hard. So we thought maybe we could provide like the world's simplest model of what hierarchy of what our authenticity could mean, and that is just like a pyramid or a hierarchy to say. There are things that have, like, low authenticity, you know, like... The tests. Yeah, right, that are just the... You know, they're necessary. It's not to say they're bad or that they don't belong in the class, but it is to say they're low on this measure, whatever it is, and we can probably agree on it. And there are other things that are high on that. On that, And, and that if, if what we want is to have more authenticity in our classrooms, then we just want to push towards higher levels, right? And so our hope of what we show you guys is really just to kind of spark... Illust- like just show illustrations and kind of spark your minds on examples of things that maybe start down here but then move up here. With the hope that when we talk to each other we can do the same for one another um, and kind of like push each other but also just get feedback and encourage one another on how we can move up this pyramid. Sure. And just to illustrate how this model could apply in lots of different situations, if you are an English teacher like my brother, um, or your emphasis, as it so often is in early elementary, is on ELA and reading and writing, it might be pushing your students towards a more authentic audience with what they're writing or producing, or in whatever subject it is, right, in the, in the artworks that they're producing or the music they produce. Um, in other situations, like if, uh, more in the math um, side of the house, we might be pushing our students towards more authentic problems. That they can address, right? I'm coming to this mostly from a science perspective, and I. Oh, right, at least, no, no, I, I on
1: Yeah. I had it last night and forgot to no, talk about it. So, uh, the authentic <laughs> purpose. Science has no purpose. That's why I'm saying Oh, God. It has a big purpose. Uh, so, the idea of purpose is that it gives us reason for what we do it in Christian education, where I'm not sure if your students share with you, when they ask that question why do I need to know this? And I don't want to say it's for the quiz, for the test, for the exam, but for what we can be kingdom builders. And we can be able to change our either our minds, we can change our school community, or change our world, global, what we're called to do. And Christian education cultivates that. So we think about authentic purpose, it's learning for the sake of actually expanding God's kingdom. And that is hard to do when you're thinking about just teaching... Your, your skills in, in teaching these things that are necessary, you're teaching certain um, necessary techniques that will build on for the following year. How do you teach your children to learn to be kingdom builders through your content area?
0: So it's a, certainly a more uh, authentic purpose. I like that. It's a good addition to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, from a science perspective, I think about things like, how do I have my students interacting with more authentic data? So, so often the data that they encounter is sort of contrived, like they're using the thing that's made for school and they collect the certain kind of data, but how can we give them access to the same kinds of data that real scientists are using, because it's more available than ever before. Um, so, what we'd like to do is just share with you some examples of things that have moved up this hierarchy. Hopefully, again, this is like just to spark our own ideas in our own minds and... Uh, yeah, kind of see the conversation we're going to have. So, I'd like to start by sharing an example from math. This is actually from a grand Christian. And um, the math teacher there was kind enough to let me work with him on a project just for fun, because I love doing this kind of stuff. And as we looked at his schedule of like, what was coming up in the next month, I think this was like seventh grade math, perhaps. They were coming up on taking a table of numbers and, and graphing that on a coordinate axis. Right? So, we were graphing x and y. And we're thinking, how can we just do something more engaging and authentic with that? Uh, with maybe like a three-day timetable, right? That's about as much time as we just take away from regular math class. So you might think like, if we're talking about the base of our hierarchy of authenticity, you might see things that look like this, right? Where here's a bunch of points on the coordinate plane. Which, which of these um, you know pairs matches up with those points? Uh, or perhaps, here's a bunch of points, graph them, and it's going to like connect the dots. It's going to make a shape. Like, that would be cool and exciting and interesting. Now, like, these worksheets obviously are necessary, and the kids need to learn this stuff, and that's fine. I'm not saying these shouldn't be used, but I think we can all agree that we can push towards higher levels of authenticity. And so as we were talking, um, Tim and I, we landed on um, GPS as like, hey, GPS is a cool example of something that we have everywhere around us. And ultimately, it's a pair of numbers, right? It's latitude and longitude, which get graphed onto a coordinate plane. Um, So that's a cool application. So now we start brainstorming. Now we're sliding up that pyramid, right? We're saying, what could the students potentially graph by getting latitude and longitude? So as you could imagine, uh, we were imagining things like, hmm, maybe we could graph the trees on our school campus, go outside and map all those locations, and we could have a cool map. but we're still kind of wrestling with how can we take this to another level. And I, from a previous project that I had worked on, was familiar that most municipalities. This is it's super boring, but most municipalities, that is to say, cities, townships, whoever, rely on mapping like to an insane level, right? Like every road, every every water pipe. Every street sign, every fire hydrant has to be mapped, and they need to know exactly where it is because they have to paint it every year, and they have to. Like, if there's a problem, they've got to know where to find it. They need to know how many they have, so they they have to map them all. I, and I want to just like pause here a second, and you be like, just to say, um, you probably don't care about maps like I care about maps, but you might be like super excited about. I, I don't know. Like I've got a friend who makes um, Dutch like decorations that she sells on Etsy, and like it's her passion project, and she like does it on the side. Like this is my kind of passion project. Like that's just, I'm just like a sciencey guy, but this is where you get to take your passion and like say how can I take this to a deeper level and something I care about that my students are going to care about. So I happen to I happen to just know this, and you might know things about your stuff that you can you can tie it. And so I thought, okay, well, I know that towns generally need this. I wonder if our town needs to have anything mapped. So I called the city of Grand Haven and said, hey, do you guys, this is a weird question, but do you guys need anything mapped? And they're like, well, why don't we talk to our roads people? So I talked to the roads guy, and I was like, hey, weird question, do you need anything mapped? And he was like, yes, we do. In fact, we were going to hire two high school students this summer to go out and map a bunch of stuff. I was like, well, what if I took out some students and we did this thing? He was like, that would be awesome. He's like, I'd love it if you mapped the locations of all the street posts, the street sign posts, and all the fire hydrants." Sweet, we can do that. Um, and then I'm like, by the way, if we're doing that for you, would you mind like coming to the school and talking to the kids about why you need these things mapped and how they're useful for you? He's like, sure. So we made it, made it happen. So he came to the school and chatted with the kids after they had a brief introduction to like GPS and what that means, latitude and longitude. And they took some simple measurements around the school campus. He brought a bunch of you can kind of see them rolled up here. These were like the big plaque kind of maps that were uh, that they use in the city, and so he showed them some of those. And the students went out. And of course I called the local newspaper to be like, hey, look at this cool thing we're doing for the city, right? And so they wrote up a nice story and took some nice pictures. And so students went out and they we went kind of split up in groups. We had like a few teachers join us, and we just went out in all different directions and um, around the school. They wrote down the latitude and longitude and what it was on a piece of paper, and then everybody came back to the school. And I set up just I just wanted to illustrate like the simple tech you could use for this kind of thing. I set up a little Google form, and the students could just enter all their data and what it was that they observed, and then they could see it just populating the spreadsheet right in the front of the class. And it was just a matter of uploading that spreadsheet, more or less, to uh, produce an app like this, which allowed us to export that data and share it with the city. And so now we've moved like way up the scale, I feel like. We've, we're addressing like a, a truly authentic problem here. I'm actually providing data. This is the email I sent back to the city giving him the data layers. Um, we've, we've truly addressed a more authentic problem and seen the application of this stuff for the students. So I think that was just a cool example of like how we could move up this uh, hierarchy. So
1: my realm is in literature, being part of the English department. I have a few examples: two from my American literature class, and then one from a speech class. So with American literature, we have a chance to study. We did this about two weeks ago: the Declaration of Independence by Thomas Jefferson, and on its own is a great piece of literature to so look at. Uh, its history, its place within forming America when we can we are, our independence, but also with parallelism and looking at persuasive language and things of that sort. And I was able to hit all my benchmarks, but then if the students don't have a chance to kind of reflect on it or act about it, it gets a little dry. So I had a thought. I was like, well, what would it be like to think about our audiences if the students were able to write their own version of a Declaration of independence? Great idea, love it, but what (coughs) students would they write to parents, do they write to administrators, do they write to me, for the classroom culture? I decided to have them think about what changes they would like to make to our school at South Christian High School. So I handed out these expectations about how to frame their declaration so they can mimic what Thomas Jefferson provided for us. And then I had them list and explain what changes they would like to have. And I, I zoomed in here for you. The big one was use of cell phones in study hall. Now I'm not sure if you've been reading any of the news and the, the data about influence of cell phones on students. It's something that we are grappling with right now at, at South Christian is how do we help them be successful, especially when they can be a constant distraction. So they share about why they feel that cell phones should be used in the study hall. And then, uh, there, in groups of four, here's another uh, class, uh, we're they able to list them, the specific ones they want to have changing. I had the administrators come to my class. Uh, the head of school, uh, Jim Pearson, our principal, Aaron Meckes, and the dean of students, Mark Van I scheduled time for them, for the students to sit down and be able to present their document to them to bring about these changes. And what was very exciting, and I saw that why authenticity and audience changes things, that when I introduced it, and I told them my vision for it, instantly gave, like, oh, I, I don't know if I can do this, they're gonna hate my idea, this is really bad, I can't tell them what's wrong with the school. I was saying, yes, you can, and you have to, because you are an expert on what makes quality education, based on your needs and what you feel was best for South Christian. So we talked through about how do we persuade people. What's the best language to use? How can we present this to get our, to get our, our ideas shared? And what's very exciting is that after they left the meeting, I make sure that I wasn't there, so they could have time to talk with the administrator. They came to the classroom and said, we think we got one agreed upon. We think we, we earned one. And it might not be the cell phone, or might not be uh, changing uh, our, our block time, or our shorter time for our PD. But where the students were saying, what if we could actually sell parking spaces that the seniors could buy to decorate? Because we recently built a new building, and we do need to raise funds for us now, buildings go. And so um, that's something that really piqued the interest of the administrators. And this, they, they've not heard before, but the students have saw other students do before different schools. So I was like, that's exciting. It's empowering to the students to see about what potential they can have by just changing the audience. Sorry. This is the music section of today's session. <laughs> also in this class, just uh, the next text later, we read Ben Franklin's Poor Almanac. And in Poor Almanac, there's a list of like 20 different aphorisms, these short witty phrase expresses truth, and I had my students uh, try to interpret, well, what is the truth that comes from this aphorism? Some good examples could be an apple a day, he's, he's he's a doctor, right good. Good. a penny saved is a, you got it, absolutely, a stitch in time, saves nine, yes, my students don't know that one. Don't know. <laughs> no. Like, what do you mean saves nine? It's like, well, let me I try to explain, I don't know. But uh, in the past I had them write their own. And then I would collect them and say, oh, that's really cute. Uh read a great book and then recycle it. Not really the greatest lesson. So I had this thought, like, what would it be like if the students wrote their own aphorism, but with the intent to make a card to encourage someone who's important to them, who may need encouragement. So I had that and it took only a one class lesson. And I told the students to get my vision, I said this is what I'm thinking, what do we need to do to make this happen? And they got really excited. I have a few cards to show you. Here's one that a student wrote, in her aphorism being, In the dark times of life, you use light to shine through. Why this was important to me, I got touched by this, is the fact that her church family was going through a transition to a pastor. It was getting kind of messy.
2: <coughs> and
1: we really prayed every day for the church transition team and finding a new pastor. It was something that was on our hearts. And she wrote it to a family that was struggling in her church. And if not, I'm to read it. i me read it for you here. Through the struggles our church is going through, know that you guys are a light to others. We appreciate all of your work and praying for peace and wisdom for the future. And so it takes an aphorism idea and turning it into a place to bless another person. I think, oh, what a great value for this student to do. And that makes me wonder, in your grade levels, is there something that you study Something that you introduce where you can be able to change the audience and make it real, make it authentic to be able to have it be of a purpose now. And this one for fun is where her aphorism is that sometimes bright pink is the prettiest color of the rainbow. Like this is just her personality, it's really wonderful. And she writes it to uh, a person who is just different and wants to, sometimes feels out of place, but this cards remind her that being different is very good. I love the way she starts. Hey, girl, I wish I could start cards that way. I don't feel like I've really earned that right to do that. Just wanted to let you know that you are beautiful the way you are, and weird and spunky personality is so pretty compared to all the other normal ones. What a great way to, to bless a friend through the aphorism. So in the past, it was just writing for me, but now I'm writing for others. It becomes something that's much more meaningful. Moving to uh, speech and writing, this is a class with juniors. Where I wanted to actually have uh, the audience that um, they would be speaking to be much more meaningful. So, in the past, they would talk about a political topic or something that would interest, be able to make a challenge. But I thought, why don't they actually give a persuasive speech on a nonprofit that we would go and volunteer at? Now, the purpose is not for us to leave class and go volunteer, but to actually work on being an advocate, learning the terms for persuasion, and working on giving the best persuasive speech. So the, the classmates will be able to vote on what should not profit to go to. So one student, um, uh, sorry, this is a hierarchy of purpose. I thought if we think of our purpose in going out to to serve, which is the ultimate call for us as Christians, and to instill under in our students, there's a high value. And what the uh students are this doesn't it's just personally speaking here. Uh, where we went to Hugs Ranch, because there's one student who gave us of a speech on how she volunteers her all the time. We can get outside, and we can get her hands dirty, and we would be able to help out people uh, and help out horses and be able to have that be a place where uh, we can continue to foster this, this foundation to help those who need to use equine therapy. And the students voted this one as the best uh, speech. And what was great about this is that the student who gave the speech was not very confident in her public speaking (laughs) skills. Was not always seen as providing the best speech throughout the courses and was also uh, kind of doubtful. She was voted as the best uh, based on the technique and on her persuadability. And the joy that was on her face, I wish I took a picture of it, it was like that's the reason I do what I do. It's just like, you're here, here, my class is here, this place that I love. It was, she was just beaming. And the students loved to do the work. And they were shoveling poo. And they were pooping hay. And they were painting boxes. And they had a great time. And while this, uh, service is something that I want to instill in all my students, I felt this was a great way to give such uh, a passive of purpose
0: with authenticity. Awesome. So just a couple more examples, and then we're going to ask you guys to uh, share with us some of your thoughts. Um, so start thinking about those, if you haven't already. Uh, so I'd like to just share just rapid fire some examples from science, where where my goal is often to try to give students access to more authentic data. And this is just like a personal like passion area for me, um, is providing students this kind of access. So here's... I'm going to present kind of like low on that hierarchy and then high on that hierarchy, just as the contrast, again, to kind of like spark spark uh, thinking. So you might, uh, a typical science experiment is like testing the pH of different uh, materials. And it'd be normal to say, let's try testing the pH, and you can do like low tech, right, with like cabbage juice, or you can do higher tech with pH strips and stuff. But um, you might say, let's try different foods that we eat, right? Bring in some Coca-Cola, bring in some orange juice, bring in some Water and other things you find around the house, and let's test it and see what's different. That's cool uh, and that's great, but to take it to another level in terms of more authentic data, um, is sort of the obvious one, which there are some great examples of people doing this over long term that we could share with. But uh, why not test the pH at a local waterway, right? Um, And not just test it, like, not just like when I was in high school, it was like, all right, we're going to go out to the we're going to go out to the local you know, uh, creek and we're going to test the water and it's a fun field trip but Ryan has some great examples of the biology class at South Christian who's really almost like built a relationship with the local waterway where they are year after year monitoring its health and documenting and taking care of and restoring that ecosystem by planting plants and doing all sorts of things so it's truly like a science driven activity but it's for the purpose of restoration really cool to see. Um, so, again, uh, a simple example of moving up. Another simple example um, looking at like geology, geography, landforms. Here's a great Pinteresty kind of activity, you know, like a flip chart. Here's the different types of landforms that we have. We're going to, you know, illustrate different ones and we'll make this cool little flip up thing so that the students can see all the different ways. But, we could also just say to students, hey, here's this amazing thing. It's called Google Earth. Right. Here are these different kinds of landforms. Here's maybe an example of what it looks like through a satellite image. I wonder if you can find any other examples. Oh, here. Right. That's tons of fun. Super cool. Lots of access to incredible data. The same kind of data that scientists are using. Or to take a step further. You could say, Hey, here's this amazing tool. It's called Google Mars or Google Moon. I wonder if you can find those same features on. Mars or on the moon. In fact, if you look up here in the upper corner, you can see that on Google Mars it even has those features labeled and it can take you to different places to explore. Again, this isn't just like, you know, like a for kids kind of map. This is like the same data that NASA's out. It's all being like uploaded and it's accessible to everyone, which was so cool and amazing. Here's another example. Does anybody recognize this thing? Have you ever seen one of these in your education? Yeah? What class were you taking when you saw one of these? Biology.
3: <laughs> okay. Some
0: Definitely some science. <laughs> physics? Yep. Yeah, yep. physics. Physics, that's yeah. the one. So I was a physics teacher, and these are like frictionless carts which roll around, and they're used almost exclusively to teach uh, like Newton's laws, you know, or like you might pull out some old memory, um, probably not a positive one, like distance equals rate times time. Yeah, does that sound familiar? That's the kind of stuff you're learning with this kind of tool. This this thing, you collect data with these things that are called photogates, and it's like, it doesn't make any sense to students. Like, they think it's biology class, except physics, for
3: example. <laughs> 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 yeah.
0: They only exist in physics classrooms, all right? If you are a physicist, you've never use one of these things. And yet, this is the kind of data that students deal with when they're learning about science. So the question is, how do we, it's okay, definitely low on that, on that authenticity, right? Because it's only for the purpose of classroom use. And so if you're looking at distance and rate and time and forces how can we connect this to the real world? So this is just a fun, I'm an online teacher mostly, and so here's a video I made for my students on a topic like this where I'm pushing my car and with a known force because I'm pushing on a bathroom scale and for a known amount of time. And you can do the same exploration with data that's at least connected somehow to the real world. But if we want to make it really authentic, we can pull from video games or just about anything that you can capture video of. Um, And so... This is, I, I look at this and I'm like, oh look at this amazing data like, we could do so many different things with this and it's so cool um, but the, the point, especially since many of us are not working at a high school level the point is that data is everywhere around us and meaningful data can be collected in, in just not any place around um, us this is just a quick shout out to say when we provide students, and I, I think Brian has shared some examples already of, of this in a in in different context. We heard some examples last hour. When we give students opportunities to have access to authentic experiences, they blow our minds. They do amazing things that amaze like other adults around us in our community, and that really shape the students. And this is in the context of science, these were students who discovered new asteroids, like literally new asteroids that had never been found before. These three students found them in an astronomy project that we did. These students presented a poster on a research project we did at a national conference, and these students wrote an a article for like a peer-reviewed, public, like it's a legit publication that they get to count as their before they even get to college. So like you can do incredible things with students when we give them those authentic experiences. Speaking of foreign language, uh, this was with. Uh, my
1: school the foreign language department we have um, I, i'm sorry i say we i can't say it because i'm not a foreign language teacher um, our, our teacher at us my school they partner with bethany christian and most of those students at bethany christian are native spanish speakers english with, with my student sorry with students that's not christian who are native English speakers, learning Spanish. And what the the focus was, is to be able to partner with them to have, to practice conversational Spanish, but more importantly, to learn how to love our neighbor, especially when our our neighbor looks different uh, than the the primary students there. So thinking of purpose here as well, with engagement, what this teacher thought would be great to do was to have uh, her students to be able to create uh, an opportunity for them to come during a Christmas Gala, Gala uh, to create authentic Mexican meals, and to be able to write conversational topic stars on each table, and then be able to socialize together. So that's what the students did, and they spent uh, a few weeks on um, learning about how best to create authentic food, learning about uh, practicing conversational Spanish, and then building relationships with Bethany Christian, so that when they came, they be able to work together, to talk together, to be able to collaborate together, and more importantly, to break bread together, and to see that the body of Christ just uh, be exemplified in this experience. What I'm excited about is that these students were able to break out from the learning for the tests, learning for the exam, and have that urgency of now. This is why we are learning a foreign language. This is why I need to know how to express not only my feelings, my thoughts, but my faith. So we'll be able to advance advance God's kingdom to be kingdom builders within our community because right around the corner, uh, not too far away, are people who are creating who are creating those authentic relationships. So that's something also that I get excited about. And maybe there could be an instance where in your schools, to to build relationships and to be able to work with people, so that with what you're learning, it becomes not just about for the students and like for them themselves, but how they can be in the groups
0: through what they are learning. Great. So um, this is our the share time, and uh, the hope is, um, I guess I'm going to offer an invitation. The invitation to you is, we've seen this kind of like triangular hierarchy, and I invite and welcome anyone who's like, you know what, I have this awesome thing that we do in my class, and I just want to tell people about it because I think it's super cool. And I know it's authentic and it's awesome and I want to share it. So you feel like you're way up at the top of that and you're like, I want to share that. Fabulous, we'd love to hear it. And I think it will inspire and motivate us, especially because many of you teach at the similar grade levels that will be more relevant for those examples. Or you might be like, you know what, there's a I've been teaching for a long time and I just know it has potential, um, but I, I, I just don't, here's an idea I'm working on and you want to bounce it off some fellow teachers who have an interest in authentic learning. So you feel like I want to move this up the chain? That's another topic of the conversation. I think Ryan and I are just gonna have a seat. And the hope is that is that you guys have insights for each other because we don't tend to have great insight in that in yourself.
2: Um could we just so a a sure. okay. nice. um I love this kind of
1: stuff and um, I feel like the biggest obstacle that I run into is
2: time and the logistics of yes. Yes. oh it's gonna affect this other class, and I'm yes. taking my kids away from this, and how
0: yes. are we going to get that in? So, yes. can you help me right. understand? And I'd like to bounce that to the
2: other, what grade level do you teach? I'm five and six.
0: Yeah, so I'd like to bounce that to the other teachers, in, if that's okay. Yeah, please. Um, how do other people deal with that?
2: I think I picked up that
0: you have
1: a block schedule. Did that make sense? I easy? do. I have a block schedule in my high school, so we had to institute that because we are moving into having authentic learning. That is a, um, a practice that we, we value. My school is, um, we're working on a pedagogy called Teaching for Transformation. And it's something that we've been working for the past three years. And one of the principal characteristics of Teaching for Transformation is authentic learning moving up that hierarchy scale. So we have our block scheduling. Having that time is a commodity that's just hard to get rid of. And what I had to do when, uh, to make that work is thinking about who can I bring into my office, so I bring into my classroom through a video chat or in person um, to be able to have those authentic experiences. Who can I reach out to? And I get stuck. I'm like, I don't know a whole lot of people. I don't know if parents know people. So asking for help asking for administrators to say, does anyone know someone who does this for a living? Because I'm wrestling with this, and this might work. So I wonder if starting there might be a good way to go. And with, uh, you see, is it fifth and sixth? Is that correct? So I wonder also if uh, talking with your principal to say, I really have this project on behind, I'm, I'm believing in this. Can you help me preserve and carve out time with other teachers and help get that buy-in? Or is it possible to talk with other teachers and say, here's my vision. How can this help work with your content area so that we can be able to do something that might be bigger than we expected? Um, but those are great conversations to have. Um, and I wish I could say, oh, magic formula, that's how it works. Uh, but there has been significant growing I mean, growing pains that we have had and continue to have at South Christian
0: throw a softball over to Andrea. With We talked before about some of your persuasive writing and how like you've... I don't know you've taken more time to do that in class, but you've changed your audience with first graders. Would you mind sharing?
3: Well, and For me, it just started out really simple. When we were doing our graphing unit in first grade, instead of just doing the worksheets, we asked Mr. Rank, who was our um, PE teacher, hey, what are some units that you are, or some games or some activities that you are thinking of doing that we could go ask the different classrooms and and gather the data for you and then put up a graph outside the PE room. And the kids just loved it. We went into the second, third, and fourth grade classrooms and then gathered the data, what what choice they would want of the four that he already had selected. Um, So we started just with some audiences right within our own school. I have a couple ideas for some other audiences that would be out in the community, but we're still working on those. Um, And we also have done a book sale that the kids have, I've changed it a little bit. So before it was, I set everything up and I picked what the proceeds would go to. But now the kids, uh, last year (coughs) we did the book sale and um, the kids all started talking about homeless people. Somebody had seen one on their trip to Chicago and so more and more kids had just different things that they thought homeless people, that this was who homeless people were, they had defined them as such. And so we had somebody from the community come in and talk to them about working with the homeless people and what what that really means and who they really are and that they really are just like them. And um, so then the kids wanted to raise money for that organization and to help people right now in town. Also, we had decided that we wanted to sell our books to not just, we, were, we would gather books from families at our school and then sell them to different classes, but then we invited a local public school to come and buy books too, and that was just a really powerful thing for our kids and for those kids too. They already asked if they could come back for this year. We do, we're working on the, a straw. Right. I've been seeing more
0: paper straws around town. Andrew's going to have our students write uh, persuasive letters to local restaurants to use paper straws. So, I, I, so you're going to your point, though, I think that's probably one of like the main complaints. And I, I, I guess like um, my attitude tends to be about like is it is it better to like lose that last week of content and do something like really powerful for the kids? Like I would make the case that I think that's a, a trade off that's worth making. And it's like, who's going to be the one pushing back on it? Is it the administrator? Is it your colleague who's trying to cover the same content? Or is it going to be like parents who are like, wait a minute, why isn't my kid learning how to do... You know what I mean? So, yeah. Those are really tough questions to wrestle
2: with. Oh, absolutely. And I'm completely on board with all this. I just feel that time constraint, yeah. And then I feel like, oh... Yeah, what learning am yes, I battling yes, here and yes, yada, yada. you know what yeah, I'm saying. Right, I, I think this is good for kids yeah. remember and actually do yeah. learning.
1: Yeah. But Absolutely. And finding that balance is just really a way to dance. Are there other yeah. Yeah. thoughts or yeah? Yeah, um, can I, I, think
4: I, can have that. I have a project in here. Sure, please. I'm, I'll sit right yeah. up here. Nobody has to turn around. Um, <laughs> One thing that I learned is like, you gotta just go try it. Um, so like, those types of things, those types of questions. So in a conference like this, about six years ago, uh, I met somebody that, said uh, this project was like, seemed way too big of a project to do. Uh, and it was a high altitude for them to okay. So um, I'm a STEM teacher at high school, but this applies, this can apply to everybody, because STEM is problem-solving. But I get the opportunity to like, incorporate everything. So uh, about four years ago, I decided, I'm just gonna do it. And that's where it really came in. I have to do this. And if it's failure, that's why I teach in my class. Failure's okay. So I can't even do it myself, then. so you know I gotta be okay with that. And then you learn. And I was gonna ask you that question too, like, what do you learn from the first time you go around? How do I make it better next time? That innovation. And that applies to every area. And I would say or argue that STEM is probably the biggest or one of the biggest buzzwords in the past ten years in education. And your administrators are like pushing STEM and that my guess is. So it's just a problem-solving, let's just say that. Um, So this High Altitude balloon project uh, is a project that I really all encompass, not just STEM, but also added English too. Mm -hmm. So so my students, and uh, I'll give you kind of a quick rundown. My students, uh, they're all seniors, and they write their own grant proposal uh, to come up with the money. So that's the English aspect, so we work with English teachers. And so we talk to them about you know, how about the best writing styles, things like that. We have proofreading, we we'll go through it, they write it. Uh, and then we take that grant proposal and send it to local companies, not their parents who have really paid too much money for Christian education, uh, to local companies, and try to, they raise the money. And so the whole idea is that they're invested. So when you get them invested in a project, they have ownership in a project. That is really when students really get motivated. Not like, here, I'm going to tell you what to do, but they have the ownership. So that's how I get the ownership. And so then they just take off. And like you guys said so you, you to when students take off projects, you're like, they blow you your mind. Right. Um, so the Hop2 Build Project is a, just to give you an idea, it's a huge, it's a helium balloon that they buy. It's like six feet uh, on the ground, and then it gets up to 30 feet by the time it pops in, in the stratosphere. Um, so they have to design and build their own payload. Uh, we put two GoPros in it, we put tracking equipment. All this stuff they have to go and figure out on their own. Maybe some of you are like, well, my elementary students are going to do that. They have this website now, after I started doing this, it'll be my fourth time doing it this year. We're actually launching in a week and a half. Uh, they have this website called Stratistar, and it goes at, at your grade level. kindergarten all the way to high school. Like, how much they give you for the project, and how much your students do. It's an amazing, amazing project, because the students get to see the curvature of the earth at 100,000 feet here. So that's how high it gets. Right? And then... Uh, they learn about tracking a GPS, and so when you say that, so we have a GPS tracker as a backup tracker in there, and then um, over the years, it just got, the project got better and better, so and, and the first thing I didn't even ask for money, we do a grant proposal, and then, then I'm like, all right, let's incorporate English inside of it, so we did that, uh, and now, and they do it from start to finish, and now we went to all the theater schools, at fourth graders, to all the theater schools, They were from Highland and Lansing, yeah, so we were just uh, we were just there with the fourth graders, I pick fourth grade because it's like right before these kids like get into uh, like switching classes more, and then they're still really interested, and they really think high school kids are cool. So they, have, they come back. So this ownership of like learning, authentic learning, is when the students are teaching. They really remember that. So that's what I. That's one thing that you can have that done. That's good. So we went to the fourth graders, and then we have them like a drawing contest, and then they, they the winners put their uh, on the side of our payload, just to have something fun. But when we're there presenting the project they ask awesome questions. So I know, like, fourth graders and elementary schools could do a project like this, you know, with some more help, maybe, but... Um, so they ask these awesome projects, and they're all going to come out to the launch. Mm-hmm. We're busting all the theater schools. Wow. And it's a way to connect the community, too, right? Like, so, uh, you know, getting those kids interested in, like, I want to go to this high school, This I want to, you know, keep, keep going with my Christian education and, and telling their parents that, too. Or, so inviting the parents and inviting the, the community. Now, um... We use amateur radio, and I can't get into the details of that because I still don't know enough about it. But we use that to track uh, the balloon. Uh, it sends us the longitude, latitude, it sends us the altitude, and uh, the speed. And so the, we launched from, we're going to launch from Dyer, Indiana, which is right on the border. Um, and then uh, one year I picked it up in Ohio, uh, Cedar Point. Like So that was my fault because I should have rescheduled because I knew the winds were like that. But they do all the, like, Estimations and all this different stuff. So there's so much involved in the project, um, and then when they have that ownership, it, it's just an awesome, that's awesome, awesome thing to see. So yeah, I'm just gonna share that. Yeah, sure. that. I think
0: it, it illustrates. Um, I'm sure it's, it's like it's like one of those examples that's way up here, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, wouldn't it be awesome? But I, um, that's super cool. I've always wanted to do that. Challenge.
4: So like, there's this, there's resources that are like. Like, Stratostar has Stratistar. this awesome. Now, I don't use Stratostar because at yeah. the senior level of high school, I want them to do everything. Yeah. And then, one of the other things tough stuff. Like you know the answer, right? We know in our classrooms, like, I know the answer. So, I, I want to tell them that because they're going down this road. Like, let them go down that road for a while. Right. Let them figure out it's wrong. That's like, that's my, my problem solving is that failing, 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 failing. And then when you succeed, you taught yourself all these other things. And so, that's authentic awesome. kind of learning. So, yeah, thank, uh, thank you for sharing that you. very much. It's a idea, right? Uh are, is S like S T R A T O star. strato star. Stratostar. It's because um, the stratosphere is where the people ops pops. Are
0: there um are, we 11, uh, yeah, are there other we've got maybe ten minutes. Are there other examples that people are willing to um, share either of a project that they have in mind or that they've heard of other people doing? Or ideas of Yeah,
5: please. Um, I was just going to piggyback a little bit on the time aspect because we deal with the same thing on the fourth graders. Um, and so one of the things that I started to do was look at what is already sort of there. And so, like we had grandparents come for grandparents day. And for a while I was like, ah, that's going to be a wasted morning, we're not going to done, you kind of thing. And then I have decided, well, what I need to do is I need to turn this into something. So the last couple of years, I started to have my students then have an interview that they do with their parents, which is what's some language arts goals, um, and then what I'm doing now is I've revamped it so that this coming year what we're going to do is I have some specific kinds of questions, like one of them we're going to do is we're going to find out where the grandparents have lived, mm-hmm. and then we're going to map that so we get into some of our geography kind of things. So what I'm trying to do is look at what is actually there and how can I make that into something more authentic, and also then kind of map and put the standards in with it, mm-hmm. rather than trying to carve out times mm-hmm. that just don't exist for mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. So just kind of a thought on that.
1: Would you then present those uh, findings into the grandparents as the as the audience, or just
5: I haven't or... thought that far. I, guess mm-hmm. I just remember okay. that um, just The summer I was kind of changing so we won't your birthday doesn't happen yet yes. this year. Yes. Um, but certainly, that might be something to do. Uh, I've even thought of maybe taking that even further, going into like the area Anderson homes mm-hmm. and getting a different group of people yeah. and seeing if maybe they're different. Because I do know a lot of my like, kids' grandparents have always lived in the same place. Yes. But I also do know that there are a lot that have traveled from in other parts of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and even to put that into some of our migration studies yes. and put it into yes. uh, Um, cultural things, because still, I think, if the graph I of Dutch area, we're going to have travel has gone from, you know, Iowa to Michigan, or, you know, Wisconsin to Michigan, and why? And so, start to ask those types of questions with the kids. Thank you for sharing that. In fifth grade, we do a long walk to water, as kind of a global awareness, and then in
2: science, they do, they study the water Cycle, but they also study water conservation, mm-hmm. and um, we're trying to work through this year how we can put all of these pieces together. But the kids actually have to come up with, create something to help them carry their jugs of water back from the River wow. down there, yes. and then they have to carry it back. So that's a memory that sticks with these kids mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. for a lifetime.
1: Yeah. I think it's way more important than how they perform uh, on one test or absolutely. one request. Yeah, oh that's great, that's
2: great. So they get to almost reenact Experience, experience. those <coughs> feelings Yes.
1: those absolutely.
2: aches
1: and pains. I imagine there's like water that spills along the way because they're... And it's
2: cold outside. Oh sure, like, <laughs> sure, sure, sure. way.
1: Oh absolutely.
0: <laughs> value. And then they drink all that water when they get back to the yeah, We
2: actually put it in a um, oh, cleanser yeah. so they can see, oh, like a well, like a yeah. cleansing thing. So. Yeah. Oh, cool.
1: Do they study, like, the, the science aspect, the quality of the water? So
2: we haven't gotten that's usually in seventh and eighth okay. grade. So okay. we're just going to, I think, do the water cycle and mm. then um, talk about that conserving yeah, yeah. So Keep
1: it a little bit simpler at this age yeah. yeah, sure. level. Would it be, my mind's firing, if I ask you a few questions, uh, how possible is it to think about conserving water at your school? Could the students think of ways to conserve water from the drinking fountain, from washing hands in the bathroom?
2: And I'm um, ELA too, so I'm absolutely thinking about the persuasive. Yeah. Not only informing, you know, yeah. like creating awareness, but then
1: Persuading maybe their family members to do this. Absolutely. I don't want to assume you haven't seen it, but there's an excellent TED talk on how to wash your hands by this gentleman. And he's just he's goofy about it. But about how we can conserve by he does focus on paper, towel, But it's a fun 10-minute TED talk where about how you wash your hands and what have you. I wonder if that could be a fun launch to think about where the students can think about being persuasive and make some changes in your school. Yeah, thank you. That's exciting to think about. That's cool, yeah. oh, that's, cool. that's cool. Are there other thoughts or things you want to throw in the room? Yes,
2: please. I have a question. Um, I am, as a teacher, I'm really I'm good at copying others' ideas. We're supposed to we yeah. steal um, <laughs> Yes, yes. Is there a great place to go for resources like this? Like, do you have blogs or things that you guys follow
0: to get your ideas or where could I go and be inspired like for something that... yeah I'm curious what you guys it's mean, yeah. great no it's like right. project-based learning something,
1: yeah, stuff, yeah. Right? that's a great question I don't follow any vlogs uh, per se I I talk to people um, that are in my department yeah. I talk to others I'm going to
0: interrupt you please I'm going to me me. I interrupt you all the time um <laughs> So at South Christian, where Ryan teaches, they're implementing TFT teaching for transformation like this. Um, I, I know that one of the challenges has been at the high school level that um, they're like, all your examples are elementary school. And uh, I should say, if it hasn't been said already, like that a centerpiece of TFT is trying to make these authentic learning experiences like integrated, right? And so they have many examples, from what I'm told, of. Projects that are a great fit um, that have been done other places and are ready to go. So I I don't know how accessible those examples are, but I I guess I just want to give anyone a chance if they have a place that they turn to or something. Yeah. I don't turn there, but I went to a session yesterday and it was all
3: about like patent ways to learn. Yeah. There's like a website you can It was
5: it EBA, LA. For
0: project-based learning. Yeah. Or something like
4: that. Okay, so Buck
0: yeah, Buck Institute was one that stands out for project-based learning. It'll be um, yeah, so you'll often find things under that kind of language, yeah. Um, <laughs> what grade level do you teach?
3: Um three through eight Spanish.
1: Okay. Perfect. One thing that I know that um, my school systems did is that uh, they wanted to send some books to uh, the Spanish-speaking country, so they had the high school students come and help translate the books about, um, especially as, as migrant children come to Michigan, how to prepare for the weather, how to eat good food, and how to kind of just navigate Michigan. And so the, the grade levels that you're referring to, that you teach at, they would create the content, and then the high school students speaking. Spanish would actually translate for them and then give them sort of, to my children at churches or children who are in need of um, kind of learning how to navigate their, their area. Um, and afterwards, I can connect you with uh, the person who worked on that if you'd like to pick her place. Hmm? Hey,
0: just a shout out for Ryan, you should get his email. He's the, the TFT coordinator for his K 12 like, system of South Christian. so definitely he's a great resource for, for um, connecting with other people. As we kind of wrap up, um, Ryan, do you want to share this? Yes, absolutely.
1: Um, I've been heavily influenced by Ron Berger, uh, who talks about uh, leaders with their own learning and the idea where this was a bit of a launch for us, where we think about uh, levels of engagement. I'm just talking now. I'm just going to stay right in my corner. Uh, it's like early childhood, right, Andrew? Uh, so um, motivation and engagement. Uh, when we are able to up the audience and up the purpose, the student buy-in is definitely there. And a quote that I gleaned with, "Anytime you make the work public or set the bar high, transparent above the steps to make high-quality, kids will deliver. I think we've heard that through our examples here, from the more examples. And we know this as, as, as teachers, right? When I mean, we make it more purposeful, the students will step up as well. And I believe our ultimate calling uh, at our Christian schools is to be a service to the world. And if we can use our content area to teach the students about why this has value and what we can do to change our world, then I believe we're doing what God has called us to do in this purpose. Wow,
0: thank you, Ryan. Yeah, exactly. Thank
1: you, guys. Oh, thank you. And then here's a contact. We want to continue the conversation with you. We absolutely do. So feel free to reach out uh, to us. We'd love just to continue. I want to be your cheerleader and hear what you're doing and celebrate with you and, and talk with you about timetables and how we can manage these things and things of that sort. So please, don't be a stranger. Don't hesitate. I would love to be able to reach out. If you have any questions about how to do science stuff, please contact
5: me. Anything like that. Anything ELA related,
1: I'm more than happy to help out with. Great. Thank you for being here. This is great. This is so good. Absolutely.